All right, fact checkers, it is a brand new year, but we've got the same great coffee sponsor. So if you head over to Fox and Sons Coffee and use the promo code FCT for fact check this, you get 15% off any order of $25 or more. Also, be sure to check out the new blends that Steve's got over there. We've got the Den Blend 2 Electric Boogaloo. This is a medium roast coffee. If the dark roast was a little too robust for you, but the light was not quite getting what you needed, check out the medium roast. It is fantastic. And also, they've got a brand new one. It's the Costa Rica Honey Prep. Now, this is the same great coffee, but with a little bit of a floral aroma. You're going to really want to check this one out. So head over to Fox and Sons Coffee and use the promo code FCT at checkout to get that 15% off any order over $25. Let's get started. And today I have got Jason Rink with me. Uh, Jason, it was really interesting. The, uh, the there was a little clip or picture of you with Kanye in the car with you, and and I showed that to my wife. I was like, "We know this guy." She goes, "What?" I said, "Yeah, we met him at Buck's place out in out at the uh, the Renegade University thing." She was like, "Really?" I was like, "Yes." She was like, "Oh, that's really cool." So like, how did he end up with Kanye in his car? I was like, "Well." right maybe i can talk to him about that and so yeah yeah it's like it's like dude's driving uber for kanye what's going on <laughs> it's just a new development but yeah man that's funny yeah meeting you down at buck's place that was actually the first time i met buck too and that was a cool little event there in texas uh you know not too far from me but yeah man um good to be here thanks for having me on uh for those who might not be familiar with me i'm a filmmaker and you know, I have a video production company here in Austin. That's what like funds my life. And then I make films on the side that have gotten me into a lot of trouble uh, with the social media, uh, Karens and all of that sort of thing over the last two years. I can't uh, imagine why. It yeah. would get you in trouble. Well, you know, um, you know, the fact checkers uh, have definitely come out in droves. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because. I am, um, you know, I've been involved in in the political scene for on and off for the last 15 years now. I got involved in Ron Paul's campaign in 07, 08. And, um, you know, that totally like changed my entire outlook on politics. I was like a, uh, you know, conservative uh, Christian type, you know, guy uh, back during the Bush administration. And it was during the the tail end of that when i started thinking about you know the foreign policy dimension of the bush administration got me to really question some things i was like hey you know churches send missionaries to the middle east to like save souls and we send 
federal dollars and bombs to kill people. Like, this is weird. Why? You know, there's an incongruency here, you know, and then Ron Paul got involved and sort of like really opened that up for me, you know, and, and, and on a number of issues. And so, you know, that sent me down the journey. And, uh, you know, I was involved in a number of different things on the libertarian and, and right of center side of things, either professionally or whatever. But, um, you know, really started professionally making uh, video content and, you know, being in production as a profession back in 2009, 2010. I uh, made a documentary with Tom Woods and Michael Bolden of the Tenth Amendment Center called Nullification, the Rightful Remedy. It's uh, still out there, but it was like literally the first thing I documentary I ever made. I bootstrapped it, didn't know what I was doing, just kind of accidentally made it. And so, you know, since then I was like, well, I want to, I want to try to make content that, you know, dances with the ideas or is about this stuff. And uh, at the same time, I kind of wanted to make stuff that maybe wasn't, wasn't only for the believers already, right? Like content that might, you know, expose people outside of the echo chambers of, libertarianism or freedom oriented ideas. And so that's really what I've, I've been motivated by and what I've been up to. The, the nullification thing is another one of those topics that they don't like you talking about. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's kind of your stick. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny because, you know, when I made that movie, that was like 2010, 2011. And, you know, I was doing this tour with Michael Bolden called, called the Nullify Now Tour. And I remember, I think it was in 2012, I got on the SPLC's list. And um, it was because at one of those events, I was speaking on that tour. And at one of those events, I said, like, my, I think the quote was, it, the SPLC is like, Jason Rink says the federal government is the biggest threat to personal liberty. And like, that was enough to get me on the SPLC list. And I'm like, you know, where's the lie here, folks? <laughs> like, so... So that's funny. Yeah, I've been, I've been, and, and you know, back then, you know, secession was even a, a badder word than it was now. We didn't even really talk about secession in the film, but you know, the idea of the states being able to push back on, you know, federal overreach. What's interesting is I feel like that film, you know, Tom's book really, but the film was ahead of its time because really it was during COVID that we started to see this, the most clear example, I think, of some states you know, flexing their nullification muscles a little bit and people starting to understand this idea of federalism in a new way. And that was always something I wanted to see happen because I think it's one of the great misunderstood ideas of the founding of America and the solution to so many things that create problems for our lives is found in, can we just build strong free states? And so, uh, yeah, but yeah, it did get us in a little trouble back then even so. Well, I mean, that's a that's an interesting thing. people today. And maybe it's a failure of our educational system as a whole. Don't understand that the country was founded without the idea of the federal government being this albatross that was looming over everything like it was supposed to be about the states. That was the whole reason that they went through as much as they did with the way that that the Congress is construed with the House and the Senate and the way um electoral the electoral college works and everything else like this whole thing was to limit the power of the federal government and allow the states to have the most say in what they did for their people because where else are you going to like the federal government cannot dictate everything to everyone people in indiana are much different than people in texas are much different than people in california like and, and i mean even 
across the state of Indiana. People are much different here yeah. than in Indy, than in Gary, than in, you know, in everywhere else. It's, uh, it, yeah, the most localized form of government is going to be the most effective form. Um, yeah, uh, and the more the more personal and sensitive the issue, the more localized it should be. I mean, we could talk about many things, but, you know, on the other side, it, the thing that makes us feel so powerless many times, like, I think of two examples, you know, the omnibus bill that gets pushed through at $1.7 trillion or whatever, and then like $100 billion to Ukraine. Like, you know, it would be a pretty amazing concept or idea if like governors and state legislatures could be like, yeah, no, we're we're actually not going to send federal tax dollars to to, you know, from the citizens of these states to the government to fund these programs. Right. Like, that's fine. You know. Texas, we're like, we'll take our chances. Uh, if Russia invades, like we don't have the U.S., you know, to defend us, you know, or like whatever the the funding is in that huge package that provides almost zero benefits to like taxpayers and like citizens and people who value freedom. Like it would be really interesting if there could be ways to get out, you know, to find ourselves out of that, to opt out some of that stuff. And and that's not necessarily even I don't know if that's even possible, but it's like. It, it, but when you see things like opting out of the COVID regime, right, by states and pushing back on that, like you just got to think, what else can be done there? And and in so many ways, I think also it has to do with the fact that there are federal laws that are in place that are generally unconstitutional that need rolled back to, in order for those states to do that. Like I think the abortion situation is a prime example of this. Like Roe versus Wade gets rolled back. And then states are now establishing what the laws are there. And it's like, dude, you know, that makes sense. Like, why are people, you know, pissed off about this? Like, it's only people, I think, who who don't want other people to have alternative options of how to live, which is generally the left that's mad about it because they're like, no, what we want's got to be mandated throughout 50 states. And I think you find generally it's it's the libertarians and 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 the right side of the aisle, that tends to be a little bit more open to the live and let live ideology and states doing things differently and finding a place to live and a community to live in that you're really, really more, you know, aligns with your belief system. And so, you know, I don't think the Republican Party is the answer by any stretch, but, you know, I think we've got to try to find common ground with other people and find out what are the political solutions that are going to result in net more freedom in real life right now um, as we're moving through a very complex time when it comes to, you know, finding freedom. Absolutely. And yeah, I kind of agree. At least the uh, the Republican Party as it's currently construed is probably not the not the solution. But if we can get the right people moving in the right directions within it, there are some solutions to be had. Uh, Speaking of the complicated times that we live in, let's let's actually get to how did you end up with Kanye West in your vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is a good story, um, you know, and it and it really, it, in a lot of ways, it goes back to me getting involved in politics in 07, 08, because after Ron Paul's campaign, um, I was part of an organization in Ohio that was a like a big Tea Party grassroots organization, and for those people who were around back then. Um, people will remember, you know, there were some good things that kind of came out of the Tea Party movement, like Rand Paul, you know, became a senator. Thomas Massey became a congressman. You know, 
Justin Amash became a congressman. You know, so the Freedom Caucus, as it's sort of developed, kind of came out of that time. But the other thing that happened was it got co-opted by, you know, sort of right-wing grifters, you know, like off the jump and the neocons and whatever, because people just weren't ready. You know, Ron Paul's message was so radical. The Republican Party was not by any stretch non-interventionist at that time. And that's shifted massively. Like, I think even since Trump, more and more straight, straightforward Republicans are like sick of spending all this money and going to war in places that, you know, isn't America first. Right. So um, so back then, you know, we, I saw the Tea Party get taken over pretty quickly. I got a little bit dis, uh, disillusioned overall with the political scene after a few years. And I ended up just building a production company here in Austin and kind of just focused on like, I'm going to make money and build a business and be more free in my life. Right. Um, and I sort of stepped away from politics. And then um, I did a little work um, in the primaries for Rand Paul's campaign. We did some video content to try to get him nominated in 2016. Didn't happen. I wasn't a Trump guy then. I voted for Gary Johnson in 2016. And but then over Trump's presidency, I started to get this whiff of, man, the establishment doesn't like him. Like, I couldn't, I didn't know why, you know, I still kind of thought like he's just a grifter or whatever. And, you know, I think he's largely a grifter in many ways, you know, now. Um, but, but that he represented something that was a threat to the power structure, that started to become clear to me. And as I started to see the attacks, you know, Russiagate, all of that stuff, I was like, they don't want this guy to be president. You know, they, who are they, right? I don't know who they are, but the power elite um, doesn't want him to be president. And so as 2020 came around, I finally got to the place where I was like, okay, I think I'm going to vote for Trump. And it's really just to like, stop the bleeding. It's really just to buy time because I, I believe that the Biden agenda and the left with the control of all of the institutions, you know, Hollywood, media, academia, you know, woke corporate, all of that, they had so much power to shape culture and shift the country that even as bad as the right or Trump could be, they can't do it as quickly without opposition as the left can because of these other institutions. And so I said, I'm going to vote for Trump. So I voted for Trump in 2020, and then I was watching the election results come in, and I just, I was like, nah, I've got questions, right? I didn't really know. And so shortly after that, within a few days, I found out that there was this, you know, grassroots movement called Stop the Steal that started up, didn't know any of the guys involved, didn't know Ali Alexander, literally cut a quick little video and tagged him on Twitter um, you know, like a week after the election, not even maybe. And it got his attention. He messaged me and I was like, Hey man, can I bring a documentary crew to come follow you and stop the steel movement? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so I met up with him. He made sure we weren't trying to like throw him under the bus. And I was like, no, we're just going to do an honest telling and you know, yada, yada. Um, and for me, I was like, this was my process of investigating, like, what happened during the election, talking to the people who were saying it was stolen to get to the bottom of it, so to speak. And so I ended up, me and a filmmaking partner of mine, Paul Eskindone, we got out in the middle, in the heart of the Stop the Steal movement. We were at rallies all over the country, interviewed all these different people. And it was through that that I started to meet some of the different people and players along the way. And so I met Ali Alexander. 
Um, I met um, Nick Fuentes. Um, I met uh, the Q Shaman, who we've got a movie that that we've it is in release now, and um, you know, just all sorts of people. And so all of that led up to Jan Six, which you know was very unexpected for us. And um, you know what happened, like you know the the uh, insurrection, um, and then I got you know, shut down on social media, like everybody else who was kind of around that whole movement. So it was my relationship I built with Ali and Nick, um, that sort of put me in a position to know those guys. They have some trust for us about, you know, just having spent the time together. And then when all of you guys get, when everybody gets canceled off the internet, that builds its own little tribe of trust, right? It's like, it's very weird. Right. And so um, yeah, so I've known Ali for a while. We started hanging out again the la- la- a few months ago. Um, cause he was, he was in the area generally. And, um, yeah. And then he, he called me up like, um, when all this whole yay stuff was going on and, you know, it was, it was sort of the news had broke that like he'd been seen going to the airport with Nick Fuentes and had a meeting with Trump and all that was bubbling up. And Ali just called me up and he was like, hey, man, I'm going to be picking up Yay at the airport. He's going on Alex Jones tomorrow. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, do, do you want to, you know, can I can we use your vehicle? I was like, yeah, sure. I'm like, I'll drive. Let's do it. So I literally jumped in the car and went to the airport and Nick Fuentes and Yay got off the plane, jumped in the car. So it was the four of us, me, Ali, Nick Fuentes and Yay. And I just kind of spent that evening and then the following day when we went to the Alex Jones show and I was like live in studio when that whole thing happened, you know, we were filming behind the scenes stuff and whatnot. And so, yeah, I spent like, you know, I don't know how long it was, 18 hours or whatever, except for sleeping, of course. But uh, yeah, I got to hang out with him, got to talk to him, got to hear what he had to say. And then, you know, I was there when that whole Alex Jones thing went down and, um, you know, I have a particular perspective on that. but. Uh, yeah. And, and so it was just really crazy. Um, I feel really like honored, frankly, that I was asked to participate, be a part of it. Um, you know, and I, you know, have a lot of different observations about it, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely an epic moment and, uh, just being, being able to be there on the set during that interview when, when that went down was, was, I feel like it was a historical forever memeable interview. So yeah, definitely that. Uh, so with that being said, and some of your your thoughts, you know, because there were a lot of things that were going around, especially on social media, especially on Twitter, that, you know, Kanye had gone uh, off the reservation, that he was uh, kind of losing it, whatever. And I don't know, what were your kind of thoughts on his general demeanor outside of like some of the uh, incredibly clip worthy, like things that people really focused in on as yeah. far as the the like the craziness that that came out of that couple week run of him doing different interviews and stuff yeah um you know it was uh you know i mean i i mean i've obviously just have had you know this a short time you know being being with him and whatnot and uh i mean i have a lot of respect for him i think that he's you know very very intelligent i think he's a genius on on many levels I think from a standpoint as as far as, you know, he says himself, he thinks he's on the spectrum, you know, and I think that um, he he has access to hit to 
the depths of creative creativity, like in a way that a lot of people don't. Right. Um, and he w- is very open to express his ideas. I, I, f- I had the experience that some of what I was hearing and like, I think even what he is up to or how he does communicate himself on social media or in inter- interviews is I think he sometimes is like formulating thoughts and ideas in like real time. Right. So, you know, if, if you or I would do that, you know, it, if, if you or I were <laughs> hugely famous and doing that in public, right? Like I would reckon that some of those thoughts wouldn't come out as fully formed or articulated as we'd like. Right. And yet for him, I think that that, you know, he, he feels like that's just part of the creative process of, of processing ideas of processing, whether it's business ideas, lyrics, you know, whether it's his political ideas, his worldview about things, you know, he's recently, I don't know how long ago this started, but over the last few years, become very, very committed down the path of, of like what I would call like biblical Christianity or, you know, and really exploring that and trying to learn that. And, you know, for anybody who's ever been down a journey like that, uh, around many, any kind of spirituality, like having a handle on and a grasp of what it's really all about, like happens over time. And so you're going to talk about that in a particular way that, that, you know, you might look back a couple of years and be like, yeah, I wouldn't have said it that way if I said it now. Right. And so, yeah. And then, um, you know, when we were at the interview, you know, he said some things that, you know, some people considered pretty shocking, you know, especially in the, when you clip them out, but, you know, I was standing there when it happened. And then I also went back and I listened to the whole interview on Alex Jones. And I recognized some really interesting context around what he was saying that I was like, oh, you know, I actually think I see how how he got there and why he said what he did at certain points. And some of it is, I think, um, I don't want to call it performance art because that makes it sound like it's inauthentic sometimes, like somebody's doing performance art, you know, but I think it came from a real place of authenticity. Like, and I think you know, we, we didn't know he was going to wear the mask the whole time. Number one, like that was a total surprise to everybody. But it's it's weird because afterwards I saw like it as a really brilliant strategy. Like it's created this like mystique and almost like superhero thing and alter ego. And um, and the other thing is, is I think when he was canceled, you know, he said somewhere along the way, like I was a billionaire, then I couldn't use Apple Pay, you know, four days later. And I think that really rocked him in a way where he recognized the nefarious dimension of this sort of uh, censorship of uh, uh, on behalf of sacred ideas, where it's like, if you stray from the sacred narrative in certain places, you're done. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how rich you are. And and to him, he actually was like, man, if this can happen to me, it can happen to people who don't have the resources or notoriety or platform that I have. And so I think that really got his attention. And it also is part of what drew him to this deeper connection with a guy like Nick Fuentes, a guy like Ali Alexander, and a guy like Alex Jones, is the whole deplatforming of of people for challenging sacred narratives. And you know, I think I think he's challenged a few sacred narratives along the way. And um, you know, that that's what's up. So yeah, um, bottom line is, is I think, 
I think he's a real genius. I think he's created a lot of things in his life very powerfully. And I would not underestimate his ability to create an impact in shifting the, the political and cultural conversation. I think he's already done it. Um, is he going to run for president? I don't know uh, if that's really going to happen, but um, you know, we'll see. So on the topic of like formulating the thoughts in real time and kind of letting all that really kind of come out live, like, like I do a lot of solo content and I don't like, there's no less than five hours of research and looking into stuff that goes into any of my solo shows. Like I'm, I'm never just like formulating thoughts live as I'm thinking them. And uh, like, that's, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Like if, if I was just like doing everything off the cuff and hadn't put a whole lot, cause I'm, and I'm sure he's put a whole lot of thought into this stuff, but as it's, as it's formulating and it's starting to work its way through his, through his head. And as he's meeting all these different people and, and seeing all this stuff play out in real time, uh, you know, yeah, that's gotta be, it's gotta be a huge mind fuck for one. And then to be going on like live shows and having conversations about it as it's still playing out both in the real world and in your, your mind. Yeah. I could definitely see how that would be. Um, I, I, I don't think that the things that came out of my mouth would be super uh, articulate or even necessarily coherent all the time because like, that's not, you know, our brains aren't always real linear. Yeah. Especially and- a very creative mind. Like a creative yeah. mind is not linear at all. It's, it's like a bombardment of this and this and this and this. And then as they all hit, then they just sort of like gobble it together and create the thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're onto something when you talk about a distinction between like a more creative mind and somebody who's coming at it from a more, it's not distinct from logic or reason or whatever. It's not distinct, but like that it's like, oh, here's my ordered thoughts, building a case, what have you with my citations or whatnot. Like, number one, I think that to me is really can be really boring. You know, it's like, you know, I've never been a citations guy, right? I've read a lot. I've processed a lot of information. If I can get up here and sometimes I'm going to say something and it's going to be factually wrong, but it's going to be like, uh, you know, spiritually correct, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, or whatever. And, and because I'm definitely more of a creative thinker and communicator. And so, and I actually communicate off the cuff much more frequently than other people who are way more buttoned up than me, right? So I can see that. And um, you know, and, and there's been times I've gone on podcasts and I've ha- I've gone and listened back before I gave the green light for them to re- release it. I'm like, yeah, I think I sounded, I think I stand behind everything I said, but like we were in the flow, right? And so we are in this like meme clip soundbite world right now. It's really, really crazy um, the way that that works. And so, you know, it can be pretty dangerous. Um but, you know, it's funny, like even even Kanye's appearance, you know, the first time he said, um, I like Hitler on the show, it was right after Alex Jones got talking, got done talking about how like George Soros, when he was 14, was part of like rounding up Jews in, you know, during the like during the occupation and like was with older people who were like raiding their houses. And as a 14 year old, he was doing that and like he publicly has said like he doesn't regret that or whatever. And it's like, he's not canceled. And then, and then Jones is like, and Arnold Schwarzenegger said, 
you know, he likes Hitler, you know, and this is from like back when he was a weightlifter and it's like in some weightlifting movie, he like praises, you know, Hitler in the Third Reich and it's like, and he's not canceled. And right after Jones says that, then Ye goes, I like Hitler, right? So in, in context, and this isn't me just like trying to go out of my way to defend him, really. I'm just like, in context, Ye's like, oh, well, that's the thing Arnold Schwarzenegger says it doesn't get canceled for. I'm going to say it, right? And I think knowing that it's going to be a, a total shitstorm. And then the other thing is, is like, you know, he definitely went along and was, was, was baking his comments into this thing of like, you know, the true spirit of Christian love, right? Which, you know, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to go down my way to say whether, you know, necessarily what's going on with him, but he was going off, going off about like, I love everybody, Stalin, Mao, you know, the doctor who killed my mom, you know, all of this stuff. And, and this is something that is actually true is that one of the most radical messages out there ever is the true radical forgiveness message that is found in Christ. Like it, it actually disturbs people because we desire like vengeance and justice. Like as we see it, we, we don't really want bad people to be forgiven. Like we want bad people to experience the worst of, of punishments, you know? And it's like, but, but what if, you know, it's, it's like the, I know I'm going on a rant, but it's like, it's like, did Jeffrey Dahmer go to heaven? Right. It's like he, he, he became a, a devout Christian in prison. And most people say he was a real conversion and depending on what you believe about that. But it's like, people don't want Jeffrey Dahmer to go to heaven. They, you know, people don't want, uh, you know, Hitler to be like, there be any redeeming quality, you know? And so I, I think he, he got under the skin of something that's really present. And then he also challenged the sacred narrative, which is about like, who are the power elite and what are they trying to do and how much power do they have and how much does it have to do with a certain cultural group and the implications of that, which I think is a conversation that should be had out in the open and to sideline it and silence it doesn't, doesn't help. So. I mean, that's, that's, that's been one of the things that's been kind of pointed out on social media is when, when Kanye comes out and says this stuff and then you immediately cancel him for saying it, you're kind of giving credence to the fact that he's <laughs> might be right on a lot of that. Uh, and, and, you know, to, to what you were saying with the, the whole interview, like if you just listen to the sound bites and the things that are taken out of context, which as a, as a, you know, lifelong Christian, uh, context is very important. Like you can take, you can take scripture and you can twist it to mean all kinds of things. If you're taking it completely out of context, I felt the same way with that interview. Like I watched the whole thing and, and I didn't feel like it was incredibly, like it was, it was interesting and it was a little weird, but if you take the whole thing in context of what he's saying, and also if you had been kind of following the things that had been going on for a couple of weeks prior to that, like it all kind of makes sense. Nothing about it is super like off, just completely off the wall. Weird. It, it all, it all kind of fits, but that's not the society we live in. Like uh, the reason I started doing a podcast is because I used to write a bunch of stuff and nobody ever read anything. But then I did like an eight minute video talking about the thing that I had just written about. And it got like 400 views. It's like, Oh, well people won't actually read, but they'll listen to a eight minute video. So maybe, right. like, maybe society is a, a different kind of thing and nobody's going to actually go back and like 
read anything. The whole reason I do this is the fact checking thing is because if you see a fact checker headline, it'll be a uh, a headline and like the opening paragraph tells you that all of these things are wrong. But then as you read the rest of the article, you find out that actually they're not wrong. We just don't like the way that they're presented. So we're going right. to call it misinformation, even though it's completely accurate. Yes, so, exactly. you know, it's that's the society we live in. So people are going to take all these sound bites and just little clips of Kanye and completely twist it out of out of the context. And and you're going to lose the importance of what he was saying in, in all of that stuff and, and the interaction that was going on. Yeah. And, and, you know, this brings us to the larger, the larger conversation, which is, you know, I may, I, I produced, I didn't direct, but I was a part of this film that I made on Nick Fuentes called the most canceled man in America. And it caused a lot of problems for me because I got like banned from freedom fest and then put on a Vegas hotel, no, no book list and all of this stuff. And, um, you know, the, my interest in that film was like, we were getting the story of a guy who's hated and called a white supremacist and a Nazi and whatever. Um, and yet he had this story of how the federal government had seized a half million dollars from his account and put him on a no fly list because of his political views, basically without charging him with the crime. And I was like, this is a big deal. And the only reason they're going to do it to a guy like Nick is because no one will defend him. So you know, we got that story and we put that film together. And, you know, my whole thing here was like, you know, Nick is a significant cultural political figure on the right. You don't have to agree with him, but he's got a large loyal following of like Gen Z men and um, he's not going away. And so whether you agree with Nick or not, like the best way to like handle it isn't to like... Make sure he has no platforms, you know, he's deplatformed, he you know, all this. It's like it's to engage with the ideas and find out, number one, what is it that's attracting a big segment of Gen Z men to the message he's talking about? You know, what is it that he's saying that's actually generating the support that he has? And like, isn't it better to expose more people to somebody? And, you know, I consider Nick a friend. Like, I I don't believe or agree with the most negative things said about him. Like, I think they're, they're inaccurate. Um, but I don't, I also don't all agree with everything that on the America first, you know, agenda. Right. And so I, that's just not where I'm at. But, um, but I think the best thing to do is to get the ideas out there and engage with them in platforms across audiences. And, you know, one of the, the things I said then was I was like, look, you know, Nick's just getting more powerful and more influential the more he gets banned. And then sure enough, he shows up like rolling with yay, right? As like, you know, the guy who's working with him on his political campaign, if he, if it comes to pass. And it's like, you know, uh, so that's significant, right? <laughs> like, and so I just think it's funny, like every time these ideas get, you know, canceled, they get suppressed, they get censored, it doesn't remove them. It just put, it silos them. And then it, what you find is it's a lot of people who really already agree with them or they're all talking with each other. And, and the ideas are not um, being challenged in an open forum, right? It's just hit pieces are written that, you know, then it's, it's, it's like this self-reinforcing thing. Oh, well, that's the fake news who hates us saying this, you know, and oh, we're canceled. That must mean we have a message that the they don't want you to hear. 
And so, yeah, it's it. And then it becomes attractive. Like, you know, I think um, people start saying, wait, this is the thing I'm not supposed to learn about. Let me go check that out. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I think a lot of the the lack of transparency and trust that's diminished in the institutions, government, science, whatever it is, all stuff I think is good that that's happening. Um, but it's created a culture now and, and regular people, a lot of regular people are like, yeah, you know, I know that we've been fed a line of bull on a lot of important stuff. So now anytime I see the mainstream saying one thing, I am maybe going to look into the alternative. Well, it's the Streisand effect. Like the, yeah, the totally. more they, the more they don't want to talk about it, the more people are like, wait, why are we not supposed to talk about this? Why is this being canceled? You just put a spotlight on it that wouldn't otherwise be there. Uh, like I grew up in very rural Kentucky. There was a county there at home that had a an active KKK. Outside of that county, it was largely a joke. And <laughs> like across the entirety of the country, really, like you know the the whole white supremacy thing had kind of fallen by the wayside as just sort of something that people knew about from olden times and what was the remnants that were left of it were sort of laughed at until the mainstream started pushing that narrative and then started canceling anything around that narrative and then that got people to start saying wait why are they canceling this like it it just it adds a level of intrigue that uh, you know it's like the the idea of a banned book list like people yeah. buy those people buy those like crazy because that's the thing that you're not supposed to have well, if you're going to cancel something and you're going to demonize this thing that's going to add a level of intrigue that people are like well well what is that what, what why am i supposed to not like that um, yeah and and people who get canceled and survive it are some of the most committed and courageous people that you're going to meet simply because like it doesn't stop them and so in a way, they end up creating themselves cancel proof, like which grants you the license to say whatever you want now. There's, so there's this weird, it's this weird thing of like you end up finding this true freedom, assuming like you don't like lose your place to live and you aren't broke. And like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of really serious, you know, effects. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying if you can weather it, you can come out on the other side of it. And you're like, well, I can pretty much say whatever I want now. And boy, that's really freeing because the threat was that I was going to get canceled. And like, that's done, right? <laughs> the hit pieces have already been written. Uh, the platforms have already kicked me off. Okay, I guess I just say whatever I want now. And, you know, I think that kind of authenticity is really like appealing to people right now. Like we live in such a managed you know, communication and like, you know, uh, PR this and whatever. It's like nobody really says what they think in the open anymore. Too many people are so scared of it. So I think I think people who are out there really doing that, you're seeing those people getting bigger audiences. Um, even if they get get canceled, they're finding a way to to recreate that. And um, so anyway, I don't think it works. Living in a living in a news cycle where you can literally have dozens upon dozens of news stations where the anchors are saying word for word the exact same thing across the board you can overlay every single one of them on top of each other and there's no variation in any of the messaging right. to have somebody who says just anything different that's going to be attractive to people and that's yep. like that's 
that's part of why people get canceled is because they won't stick to the script. But also it's part of what draws people to them is like, wait, why is that guy not sticking to the script? What is he yeah. saying that's different? And, yeah. and why is he saying it? And what can we yeah. get from that? Yeah. And, you know, this I just will pivot real quick to, you know, the, the reason I actually lost my Twitter and Facebook account um, was because I posted a trailer for the film we were making on the Q Shaman. Right. So like um, we we ended up stumbling across him during the Stop the Steal movement and then we interviewed him and then we were there on Jan six. We saw him hit the Internet. We're like, oh, my God, that's Jake. And we have a cell phone number and we text him and to get him to agree with us, to sit down with us the morning of January 7th and just tell us the whole story. And he did. And then he was arrested two days later. And we're like, huh, this is maybe an interesting story. So we decided to do a whole doc series around Jan 6, but sort of told it with him as like the protagonist or the the avatar we're following through the events and aftermath of Jan 6. And so we published the trailer, I think, on January 12th, because we just cobbled together something. It was like, you know, six days after the events of Jan 6. And I put it on YouTube and like it, it was at like 10,000 views within hours. Like it was just taking off. And um, then my accounts were shut down. And I was like, what? And like the trailer wasn't even like, it, it, it wasn't like Trump won. It wasn't like Jan 6 was, you know, the new July 4th. Like it was just like, hey, here's this guy that everybody is seeing. And here's in his own words what happened. And it was very intriguing, but you know, the the trailer was kind of lighthearted because actually Jake is a really likable guy. He he doesn't come off like the Osama bin Laden of Jan 6. And right after Jan 6, the narrative was this is an insurrection. The people who planned it were involved are terrorists, all of that. And so when that managed to get my accounts nuked this this documentary trailer about the most significant like recognizable but the most recognizable not significant recognizable person of jan six like you can't even put that out i was like whoa what it what are we what line did we cross and i was like oh well we've crossed the line of the jan six narrative like so it wasn't covid you know it wasn't the election it was the jan six narrative and it's like nothing it couldn't be allowed for the story of this guy to get out and for it to in any way diminish the Pearl Harbor 9-11 Civil War combined nature of what they wanted you to believe it was. And what's funny is it's like we've still to this day, we just released our first episode of the series at a service called Movies Plus, um, which people can go check out. I recommend it. I think it's really great. And um, but like they're they're not able to advertise on Twitter and Facebook this film. They've had other no problem doing other stuff, but this film. And so it's like it's like when you start seeing what the narratives are, they want to shut down. Now it's like, oh, there's a there's a hidden truth here that we've got to push into, you know, and you can just go down the line and see what they are. And so in in a lot of ways that radicalized me, it's radicalized other people who've seen it and they're like. Every time I scratch the narrative and get into a place that they are canceling and censoring people, that's where I'm actually finding out the truth. And so I do think that the regime has a real problem on their hands because, you know, as certain other narratives unravel and spin out of control, it's just going to continue to undermine things. And I, I hope that we as people who value liberty 
and our radicals at heart recognize that the, the day may be coming soon where there's a bit of a vacuum in the conversation about, oh, what do we do now that we can't trust any of our institutions, that we can't trust any, not, no experts can be trusted. You know, we're not there yet as a society, but I think you get there and people are going to be lost and confused and we have to have some answers for them. I do feel like there's a there's a big middle ground. Like you've got the people who are super entrenched into whatever they say is true. And I cannot believe that anything else is true because this is what they said. And they are the people who are trusted to give us the truth. And yeah. then you have the ones who are on the far other end. They're like, everything they say is complete and total bullshit. Don't trust a fucking word of it. Right. Uh, but there is a huge group in the middle that is really starting to move in the direction of uh, a lot of this is starting to sound like bullshit. Uh, yeah. like, uh, the the first that I really I didn't really pay attention to January 6th uh, we did a live stream on a Facebook group that I'm in and just like let footage play on like there yeah. was there were a number of YouTube channels that had like live footage being played of the whole thing and so a bunch of us would just like come and go on this live stream and talk about whatever happened to be on yeah. the screen at the time and like it was really engaging but I didn't think anything of it and I, I really didn't know anything about the Hugh Shaman or any of the characters involved in it until I heard you on book talking about your interview with him oh, and right. with Jake and, and all of that. And it's like, wow, he's not like just from your, from your perspective of it, he's definitely not the, uh, the, the bad guy type of a character that he's been portrayed as in the media, like in any way. And then you can kind of see that as well. When you looked at some of the videos, like there's a video where the, uh, the Capitol police like come into the, into the, uh, congressional chambers and they're like hey this is like a really sacred place y'all can't be in here you got to get out and yeah. he's like standing up and standing up behind the podium and he's like it's fine it's fine i'll make sure nobody misbehaves we're good dude Please. yeah i'm gonna take a selfie though real fast yeah. you know yeah he yeah. was just like real uh, like real kind of laissez-faire about the whole thing it was like this dude's not leading an insurrection this dude's just like walking around hanging out and, and enjoying the the moment you know yeah um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it is, it's, 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 you know, but it, the reason it's important though, is because what are they going to, what are they using January 6th for now? Right? Like they're using that to continue to build out the funding and infrastructure of the, you know, surveillance state and weaponizing the intelligence and like all of the worst stuff they're using Jan 6 for it. So it's like, you know, and some some people can, could see it a mile away. It's like a, as it was unfolding, we're like, oh God, here comes our uh, Patriot Act 2.0. You know, and so, but like it is really serious though. Like it's it's a real problem. People are doing real time in jail um, for misdemeanors. You know, like this guy Baked Alaska, who we who we interviewed, and you know he he was streaming from inside the Capitol. You know. Um, and he just got sentenced to like 60 days in jail. And like, what's something that's interesting that's happened is the government has not treated all content creators equal, right? Like, uh, the people who are credentialed real journalists, um, didn't get arrested, didn't face any time, but it's like, okay, but here's a guy who had 22,000 people on a live stream watching what he's doing in the, you know, filming in the Capitol. And it's like, is that not real media? Like, dude's got a massive following. That's not real media. No, that is not regime approved media. And like, this is somebody who is ideologically maybe aligned with, you know, the Trump side of things, you know? 
And so we, we've seen this distinction between how the government, I didn't go in the Capitol. If I would have, I would have been arrested because I was a documentary guy following the Stop the Steal people. And I didn't have CNN or HBO Max credentials, you know? And so it's like only by the grace of God, really, in many ways, and me, you know, making the right decision. And so those, ty- those types of unequal, you know, treatment of people under the law, there's so much of that going on as a real result of Jan 6. And it's like, dude, now, the, now this precedent is being set that is really just all about the right to protest at the end of the day. And so I just think it's really dangerous. And, and I think this is a really significant issue. You know, Kevin McCarthy just recently said that he's going to release the 14,000 hours from the January 6th, pressured by Matt Gates and others to do it. And I think it's, a, it's very dangerous for the regime for that to happen. I know somebody who has access to that uh, footage uh, for a number of reasons. And has told me some things that are in there. And I'm like, this goes against like things that, you know, people have gotten book deals, you know, Capitol police officers have gotten book deals. And if this footage comes out, like kind of undermines a little bit of what they've built their reputation on and what they've, what some people may have even testified to before Congress or before the Jan 6 committee. So I hope that happens. Um, I think that'll be another, you know, big, big strike against the regime. Um, but, but here's the last thing. Sorry, I mean, I just, I continue to talk, but like the stuff we find out is only the stuff we find out. It's like, we're getting the Twitter files, you know? And it's like, dude, that's just like the stuff that the only reason we know anything there is because this, you know, billionaire bought a social media company and pulled it off. It's like, we're never getting the Twitter files from YouTube and from Facebook and from whatever. Like, we're never getting the communication that the FBI engaged in on signal with people that which is illegal, you know? And it's like, so it's like we're only getting the not it's like the tip of the tip of the iceberg we're getting. And it's like, it's so bad. And it's only by the grace of God and luck that we're even finding out some of the stuff we are. So uh, anyway, I, I hope we I hope some other like I, I think Elon buying Twitter is like a black swan event. It's like it's a thing that happens at a left field. They wish it didn't happen. Now it happened. We're going to get some out of it. Like we can't freedom can't be based on like a series of black swan events and billionaires like who have a conscience, you know, in our order for us to survive. Like so. It's going to take a lot more. I, I'm really looking forward to the stuff coming out of J6. One of the things that really convinced me that it was not what they were saying it was after the fact was because I did have that live stream going in that Facebook group and I was watching like live footage and stuff. And there was one that was, it was like the big push under in the tunnels underneath Congress where you had all the Capitol Police and everybody with the riot shields. And then you had the big push of the protesters coming in. And and as they're like pushing back and forth against each other, one of the one of the Capitol police got like pinched in a doorway and he he got his leg really twisted up at him. Like you could tell he was hurt and the protesters pulled back and they got him out of there and they handed him over the line of like riot shields and they and they were asking, like, is he OK? Do you have him? 
Is he in a safe space? Like, are you good? And then once they knew that he had been safely removed from the situation, then they started pushing again. And like, like right. this right. is not some like rabid mob that's trying to murder Capitol Police officers. Yeah. They literally had a guy like in a compromised position and they helped him get to safety. And they stopped what they were doing until they knew that he was okay. Yeah. And like that's that that completely threw all of the narrative under the bus. Because like when people are talking about how this like they were trying to overturn democracy and all of this stuff, it's like <laughs> they and and trying to kill Capitol Police officers and it's like they literally stopped protesting and stopped pushing so that they could help a guy get to safety. Yeah. Like that, that's and they and there were even guys in that crowd that were like we don't have to do this. Y'all can stop pushing against us. Like we, we just want to come in. We're, yeah, right. We don't have to, we don't have to fight. Right. And like, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like, you know, when Jake told us his story on January 7th, like we didn't have a lot of the footage yet from the day, like that came out late letter, uh, later. And, um, um, one of the things he told us was that when he was, we were walking through the Capitol, there was some dude who was with him who like went in this break room and was trying to steal some muffins from the break room. And Jake's like, yeah, well, I went in and I I told him, hey, get out of there. And I closed the door. And I was like, this is funny. And then we found footage where it, it like it happened. And it's like so like you had stuff like that. It's like, you know, even Jake was like, hey, don't take the muffins. And like, you know, somebody would like threw a stick at some cops and he was like, cut it out. You know, it's like. And, and that's what's also funny about the people who are assembled on Jan 6 and that make up sort of that Trump movement is, you know, it's a lot of back the blue types. Right. So it's weird because, you know, on the on the left, you've you've come out of the whole like all cops are bad, like all of that. There's there's less of a back the blue vibe over there. Right. Well, on, on the right, you know, to me, it's a little bit of an incongruous belief system. Right. To be back the blue, but also federal agents are, you know, trying to take down Trump or whatever, you know, and like, so um, I think a lot of them are waking up to the fact that maybe blue is not their friend. But on that day, a lot of those people there were all very like respectful of, you know, we've got footage where, where the, the, the protesters are saying, you know, we appreciate the job you're doing, you know, we respect you, like, you know, we're not trying to hurt you, you know, it's just funny. It's like, uh, they're like apologetic. At the they're end, like, when the, when the, the, the Capitol police are like, all right, it's time for y'all to leave. And they all like assemble in a single file line and walk out nicely. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is clearly the violent insurrection where they all like get in single file line, kindergarten style and walk out of the building with their, yeah. with their es police escorts. We, we have footage in Q sent me where Jake is walking around after Trump sends his tweet out where Trump was like, it's time to go home. You know, I love that. I love that video he put out because he's like, we had an election stolen from us by a landslide. We won, but it's time to go home. You know, he's, he's, he's just really funny. And then right after that, we have footage of Jake walking around the Capitol with his bullhorn. Hey guys, Donald Trump says it's time to go home. Everyone needs to leave. And it's like, he, like, literally, he's doing that, you know, and so it's just funny because it's like, it's like, what's happening? You know, um, you know, 12 trained Blackwater people could have taken and held the Capitol that day. There was the security was so light out front, you know, but, uh, you know, a bunch of a bunch of boomers with no weapons and no plan, you know, were not able to hold the Capitol that day, but they were able to 
get in there and and make a ruckus. And uh, you know, strangely, it's like there's a lot of reasons why Americans should rise up and and go into the Capitol. Um, more serious, more important, you know, like foreign policy atrocities, whatever. And it's never really happened. And so, you know, I'm just saying, look, I, I think it is a moment where people did at least rise up and and make their voices heard. And uh, there, I think the regime was scared. Um, they recognized, um, you know, the num sheer numbers of people that could come out and do this. And uh, you know, we don't have time to get into all the Fed, the Fed surrection and all that stuff. But you know, I think we're going to find more and more evidence that there was dozens or hundreds of federal agents and informants that were there. We're gonna, I think, we're gonna find out evidence about back channel communication, stand down orders, things like that. Um, there's a lot of smoke that indicates that uh, the, you know, the regime, the power elite understood that this was going to be able to be an event that could be kind of a honeypot that they could A, identify through cell phone tracking and all of that. They could actually identify a million plus people who are anti-regime and like, you're now on the list. Uh, B, they could entrap certain people or or get certain people to act in a certain way in that powder keg that would create a pretext to, you know, expand the surveillance state and weaponize and fund it. Um, so I, I think it's 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 fog of war, but we need to just recognize that's always at play. Whenever there's groups of people together who are standing up against the establishment, even in a small way, there's there's gonna likely be infiltrators in there and it's it's real and uh so anyway but keep your circle tight yeah exactly yes keep your circle tight for sure and always talk about how we are committed to peaceful solutions at, at the end of the day um and so but uh yeah yeah so but uh that's so that's that's what's going on for me man um i'm looking forward to seeing what happens with if Kanye really declares and what happens and really for me, I like the idea of Kanye getting in as another conversation to sort of, you know, uh, you know, if he can get in there and say things that forces Trump and DeSantis and whoever else runs to almost respond or shift their positions, that's a win to me, you know, and um, it's like Trump 16 having an inflammatory character who yeah. puts the others on their heels. That's always going to bring about better conversation and it's going to it's going to bring it's going to bring things out of the true contenders that you wouldn't otherwise see. So if he's on if he's just out there saying stuff that they have no choice but to respond to, it puts them on their heels and it gets a conversation going that otherwise wouldn't happen. And it makes the system more honest, if nothing else. Yeah, Ron Paul did that when he was involved, you know, and. You know, personally, um, I'd love to see Dave Smith get in uh, and run as the Libertarian candidate. I I think he's a uh, he would be a great person to be able to get his voice out there and into it. And you know, I mean, I could get excited about the fact that like you could have Trump and Yay and Dave Smith all like <laughs> in the running for the presidency. It, that's like one of the most epic like you know conversations you know what i mean uh, if mainstream media had any sense about them whatsoever they would put absolutely put all three of those on a stage together <laughs> yeah, just right. to see you know just for the sheer ratings of nothing else like yeah. that would that would rate through the roof yeah totally totally 
Well, Jason, plug everything you got going on. And uh, this, this has been excellent. We, this was everything I hoped it would be. So, uh, well, man, I tend to go all over the map. So I hope that your listeners are into it. Um, though, here's what I'll plug I'll plug that uh, uh, mymoviesplus.com. Um, that's where we have our film, uh, Most Canceled Man in America, is there. Most Canceled Man in America is on Amazon right now, by the way. Uh, they, they allowed it. So we're sort of shocked. Um, and then Q sent me episode one is at my movies plus encourage everybody to go check that out. We think it's, you know, some really great never before seen footage. Um, we've got another episode dropping soon. It's still, it's still several to multiple weeks out at this point, but, um, and then I am, I have no social media right now. So, uh, but I do have a show that I stream on every once in a while at cozy.tv it's cozy.tv slash cancel proof that's a platform that uh nick fuentes has uh set up and they've welcomed us there because we got kicked off the other ones and um you know uh so that's where you can find me uh but man i appreciate it thank you for what you're doing um i love the conversation and uh hope to hook up with you again in real life soon absolutely it's good talking to you and hopefully i get to see you again sometime soon this has been fun Everybody go check out Jason Rink and be sure to tune in for the next episode. It'll be me and Tommy Sammons. We're going to talk about Tommy's uh, kind of evolution of his worldview and and probably talk about mine a little bit, too, because Tommy and I have gone down similar paths over the last several years. And, and he and I have talked about that a little bit in in previous conversations. So we're going to really kind of dig in on it tonight. Uh, and that'll be our next episode. So be sure to tune in for that. Jason, thanks again, man. This has been All great. All right, brother. Take it easy. We've got a brand new sponsor for 2023, and I am really excited to partner with Agorist Acres. Now, agoristacres.com, you can find over 100 varieties of seeds. They've got vegetables, flowers, all kinds of stuff. They've got heritage brands, everything that you want to start any kind of garden that you need. It's free shipping on any order of $20 or more. They've got cool packaging, and most of the seeds come in a fancy glass vial, no paper envelopes. They accept U.S. dollars and crypto and can easily take either at checkout. Now, be sure to head over to agoristacres.com and anything that you get, use the promo code FCT at checkout for 10% off your order. I say all the time that you need to be starting your own garden. You need to be growing your own food. You need to be getting off the grid and becoming less dependent on grocery stores and stuff like that. Agorist Acres is a great first start. They've got everything you need for whatever kind of garden you want. Great people, great product. Highly recommend. So go check them out.